This is the Feminine Genius Podcast, a podcast that celebrates all women of God and their unique genius. I'm your host, Rachel Wong. When Bridget Busacker got engaged, she and her now husband started looking for a natural family planning method to start them off. But the research process showed that this wasn't as simple as they thought. Wanting to take action in the fertility awareness space, she co-founded Managing Your Fertility, a one-stop shop for women to learn more about and compare different NFP methods. Her hope is to build out the space and make an impact in women's health, not only for herself, but for her daughters and future generations. In this episode, Bridget and I talk about how she became interested in charting and fertility awareness, how she started managing your fertility, and how becoming a mother empowered her to jump headfirst into this work full-time. Hi, Bridget. Hi, Rachel. Good to be with you. Good to be with you as well. Thanks for joining me on the Feminine Genius Podcast. I'm so excited to chat with you. I know that we chatted uh, not too long ago uh, from the time that we're recording this, so it's just great to be with you today. Maybe for those listeners who are tuning in uh, who may not know you, I was wondering if you could introduce yourself and share a little bit about what you do right now. Absolutely. My name is Bridget Busacker. I'm founder of Managing Your Fertility. It's an online one-stop shop of fertility awareness resources for women and couples. Mm -hmm. So I actually left my other part-time job to focus solely on managing your fertility. And it's been a real joy just in walking with women and helping them understand how their bodies work, encouraging them to chart, and just being able to expand the conversations around fertility awareness and natural family planning. And then Mm -hmm. my favorite and most important job is wife to David and mama to Felicity. And we actually have another little girl on the way, which we're really excited about. So that's just been a joy to be in the space of work from home and stay at home mom. It's a, it's a juggle. (laughs) There are days that are challenging, but it's a serious gift to be able to, to do both. Absolutely. And I can imagine that you know, the work that you do right now with charting and NFP and manager fertility, which uh, managing your fertility, excuse me, I know that probably those really go hand in hand, just because it takes a lot to get to that place where you can start your family. It's a journey that starts probably right at the moment that you get engaged, and maybe even before then. So I can't wait to dive into that with you. And I am so excited to hear about your growing family. That's so beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. Awesome. Okay. So Bridget, I'd love to hear your personal faith journey and thinking about how you've come to know Christ in the way that you do now, just because I'm noting that, you know, you do this business and obviously you're a wife, you're a mother, but you also have this Catholic side to you, of course. So yeah, anything that you'd like to share about that? I love this question because it really helps me to reflect and see, okay, where has God been moving in my life and he's moved quite a bit. I think if I had to summarize the journey and it's not done, <laughs> but it's a journey to wholeness. I think that's something that I've desired for a long time. Um, I was raised Catholic, cradle Catholic, um, oldest of four kids. My parents were very involved in our church. We actually lived across the street from our church growing up. And one of the highlights when we had moved when I was nine was that I could see the priest's dining room and they waved to me when, <laughs> when we had first moved in and they were eating dinner and I couldn't believe it. And so I think they were, my parents were so good about just involving us in 
community life, church life, but high school was a really hard time for me. And just that transition of really trying to figure out if my faith was my own or not. And I know that story is something that many have struggled with. Mm -hmm. Um, I had two really great friends who were and are very strong Baptist Protestants and their faith was really what I think helped me hold on to mine Mm. because I was really struggling with, is this my own? Is this my family's? What does it really mean to give my life to God or not? And I, I think I just had a lot of fear around it at that time. And I really didn't know if it would mean I would lose friends if I would be popular or not. I think that was always kind of on my heart is I want to be popular. And I didn't really vocalize that until I think, you know, in the past couple of years realizing, wow, I had this sense of wanting to belong so deeply. And I really wanted it to fit in with my faith and have friends where we were all striving towards the same goal of sanctity, of sainthood and challenging each other. So in college, I found out that my housing had fallen through. Mm. My high school boyfriend had broken up with me. Some of my friends, we just created distance just in choices they were making. They weren't choices that I wanted to make. And I remember just this intense feeling of loneliness, but also a sense of rebuilding that this was an opportunity that I could give it one more shot or I could walk away. And I had a really intense experience in confession. And I went and I was like, I feel like a mess and I really need help in this space, Lord. And so I'm going to give you one last shot and I need you to do something. Otherwise, like, this is it. I'm not going to do this anymore. Mm. And uh, thank God I didn't realize the power of that prayer because it was such a bold prayer. And I'm so grateful that for whatever reason, that was the prayer that just like brought me to my knees because he moved. Mm. And it was really a space where I think I was finally in a a position of receptivity. And so I ended up starting a young adults group at my church um, because I was living at home. I still lived across the street from my church. I was a 10 minute ride from campus. So I was actually really close. I ended up building really good relationships with my siblings and joined St. Paul's Outreach, which is a ministry in college and ended up living with women my senior year. And it was such a gift all across the board. I mean, it was just like friendships were growing. I was in small groups. It was still hard. I mean, there were moments of like, what the heck am I doing Mm -hmm. (laughs) and where is this going? And just the challenges of of what does it look like to really choose God? But I think in that space, I started dating well, my now husband. We were friends in high school and we started dating in college. He was Protestant. And so I was like, okay, Lord, I just said I was going to give you a shot at the Catholic church again. Mm-hmm. I don't know if this really makes sense. So we broke up. And for whatever reason, I really felt like the Lord saying, you know, it's okay to like date. It's okay to be together. And so we decided mm-hmm. we were going to give it a shot. And I was like, this doesn't make any sense because I thought I was just going to be doing like Catholic only what's going on. <laughs> <laughs> and in that process, I learned so much from David. I learned mm-hmm. so much in his journey of questions and, and discovery. And he was on a journey of really trying to find truth of really trying to find religion and, and God in a way that it, it harmonized in his life. And in that space, he started going to adoration. He started going to mass. I didn't really know it. And that I think now I look back and like, that's so weird. We were dating. How did I not know? But it was a blessing because it really became his own. And it challenged me to think, wow, what am I doing? Like, am I growing? What am I choosing? And he ended up joining the Catholic church. We got engaged a couple months later. Wow. And in that process, we joined a lay movement in the Twin Cities. We're from Minnesota and joined a phenomenal parish and really just jumped both feet in and said, okay, we've got to keep, we've got to keep running because otherwise I think we could really become complacent. We knew this was important to us. And so it's really just been amazing to see God work when I've had to go through 
hard places where I just didn't know the answer. You know, it's like, I was looking at the map, but I didn't have all the answers. And it's like, I can try to drive or I can try to give this to God. And so I think in the space of marriage and just how much it's really challenged me to grow in my faith and grow in my feminine genius and growing in what it looks like to really be a woman in receptivity and generosity. Um, so it's just been incredible. And now being a mom, I mean, it's just been like this continual unearthing Mm. and seeing where God is leading and calling me out and calling me out of my selfishness and calling me out of my, my fears of wanting to control. And if I'm not controlling, will he be there? And it takes me to just look back at my story and be like, he's been there. He's been there the entire time. Like, can I take that gratitude forward and say, thank you, God, because I know you'll be there today. And I know you're going to be there tomorrow. So it's just, I love this question because it really helps me get centered again when I'm starting to feel scattered. And it's like, Mm. he's here. He's here. Oh, Bridget, that's so beautiful. And the line that you led off with, like this journey to wholeness and to bookend that with what you ended off with, this, you know, continual unearthing, but just being able to look back and see those little moments. Like I was listening to Father Mike Schmitz this morning, actually, and he was just talking about little fingerprints that God leaves on our lives. I was like, that is such a beautiful image. And so, you know, hearing you share your story of how he has been with you all throughout and, you know, you become more and more yourself. And it's not even like there is a max limit to who you've become, but as you journey with him, you as an individual, but also with your husband and your family, it continues to overflow. And I, I find that to be so, so powerful with how God moves in our lives And it just goes to show that he is like infinite and we might think it's like, wow, like life can't get any better than this. And God's like, "Uh -uh uh-uh-uh, like I've got so much more for you. So I'm just so grateful that you, you shared all that and just what a beautiful story. So thank you. Oh, thank you. It's a gift. I love what you said, just the fingerprints of God all over our lives. I think it's just so true when we take that breath and we just look around it's like, he is everywhere. You know, it's, I think it's for me, it's working on like, it's not luck. It's not coincidence. It's like, even if I find a parking space that's close and it's like, Lord, that's what I really wanted. And I know it's so stupid and simple sounding, but it's like, he cares about the parking space Mm -hmm. and he'll find the parking space for me. Like, why won't I think he's going to find me the time that I need for my business or the help that I need or, you know, the right therapist or the better doctor, you know, just like even bigger, like the house that we'd love to have or the big family we desire. It's like, he's in it all. It just, I have to be open to the creative ways he responds to the dreams. Wow. Absolutely. Even that parking space example. Absolutely. I love that so, so much because he cares even in the most like minute details. So of course, like if he will care about that, why wouldn't he care about our biggest dreams and desires? So speaking of which, speaking of biggest desires, biggest dreams, as I was preparing for this interview, I was reading through your website, reading through your bio. And I know that just before we hit record, I was sharing with you how I saw that you've got a wide breadth of education behind you. And one of the things that I was very curious to hear more about was that uh, you mentioned in your bio that you became an advocate of charting in college. Now, I'm going to be honest, I am horrible when it comes to keeping track of literally anything. But for something as important as, you know, our bodies, our cycles, I feel like that should be the number one thing that I should be focusing on. And yet I can't even keep up with that. So I was curious to hear more about, you know, your own relationship to charting and how you got into that. And what, I guess, was the pivot or the turning point for you to become not just interested, but an advocate for it. 
That's a great question. So my mom was a huge advocate of charting. And I think, you know, that word, sometimes we, we throw it around a lot, but I seriously mean advocate because she was so outspoken in a way that we were always having conversations. And so when my period came and I had questions, she was always open to having those conversations. And I think it really stemmed from her own comfort with her own body and using natural family planning Mm -hmm. in her own life. She used the Creighton model. And so my mom was really good about creating space for the conversations that my body wasn't icky, that my fertility wasn't gross. And that if I had questions about cervical mucus or wondering if it was something was normal, she was always willing to chat about it and answer those questions. And I think that really set me up in a sense for success in charting, but also it was a good wiring for, I think my brain and thinking, okay, this is a good thing. My body is, is good and it's mm. good to learn it. It's good to love my body and respect my body. And this is a way I can respect my body. So when I started college, Femtech was really booming. Kendara and Clue were probably the two biggest apps that were being talked about. And my mom thought it was like so cool. And so did I. So we were both nerding out like, this is so great. Like it's on your phone. And she's like, oh my gosh, you don't have to use paper charts. That's so neat. You should try it. So just, I think to have that person in my life saying, this is so cool. You should try it. Like, that's awesome. You get to know how your body's working. And I had a few other friends. One was graphic design. One was going for nursing. Another was going for theater and performance. So it was like, it wasn't that we were all in like the healthcare world or interest, but really just, Mm -hmm. I encouraged my friends to join me because I didn't want to do it alone. And Mm -hmm. we started talking about it. And I think through those conversations, it really created a sense of vulnerability for us and a space that we could talk about what was going on with our bodies that went beyond our periods. It was like, wow, I get really emotional Hmm. before my period. And and actually I realized like, I'm really having a hard time in this area of my life, or I'm really struggling because I'm dating these people, but I don't really like that. You know, it just started to open up these doors for really vulnerable, beautiful conversations together. And I think in that, I was like, this is so powerful. This is like going beyond just knowing our cycles and loving our bodies, but like mm-hmm. loving who we are as persons and recognizing the person in front of us and saying, wow, like all of my emotions and my hormones are a part of my cycle and my cycle is a part of the rest of me. And this isn't something so separate. Mm-hmm. And I think it was really a light bulb moment for me I'd always been passionate about the pro-life movement, but I really didn't necessarily see myself outside the clinics or working as an advocate or a nurse or super hands-on, I guess you could say. I was much more interested in marketing, public relations. So I thought I was going to do a degree in more like arts management. Like I thought, okay, I'm doing public relations, minor in public health. Maybe I'll do like arts management. I loved theater. I had done a lot of theater, high school, college. Mm -hmm. And then I got working with the Guiding Star Project and I- started doing some marketing work for them and was like, this is awesome. This is all about building holistic care for women. And it was so rooted in obviously the pro-life movement, but then with women's health and preventative care and just seeing, I didn't realize how many avenues there were and how many needs there were in these spaces for education. And that really just a light bulb went on. It was like, okay, I actually think I'm going to go for this new master's program for health communication Mm -hmm. at the university of Minnesota. And it was just an incredible experience. Uh, There were four of us in our cohort and I went right after my undergrad and it was really, it was all God. It seriously was because I never thought I would be someone to get a master's. I'm not like a student loving tests and all that. Tests were always really hard. (laughs) Um, When are they not? But really I just, I hated test taking. I liked learning. It was fun. I loved being around people. 
more, <laughs> but I think, you know, God really equipped me in, in putting me in this position. And so I tailored a lot of my coursework to women's health. So I really got to see, you know, what is the conversation going on in a lot of these courses? Like, what are women talking about? What are women concerned about? Where are we seeing healthcare focusing or not focusing? And there was little to no discussion around fertility awareness. And just the understanding of integration with reproductive health, which was just so fascinating to me. And so in that process, I really started to think about, okay, where do I fit into this, this space? Like, how could I fill these needs where I'm seeing these gaps where we could have more integration? And I think, again, it comes back to that wholeness and like my own journey of desiring wholeness. I also desired wholeness of body, mind, soul for others. And seeing those gaps in women's health was really making me rethink, you know, what could I do? How could I serve? And so I really focused on more of the communications and strategy while also having some background in understanding how to read research and what would that look like to build out research if I wanted to do something like that. And so just having that experience was just such a gift to be able to do that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's just so many things that I want to dig into there, but it just goes to show the power of being open with these kinds of things and how the environment that you're in can really set yourself up for success or on the other end, it could also set you up for failure. So the fact that you and your mom had built this connection, first off, I find that to be really cute. I find it's like, it's so cute and so beautiful, that mother-daughter relationship, but also just how she was able to, you know, share and open up her own comfortability as well as like her own knowledge and education and just like set you up for success. And, you know, I don't know if she would have thought that all those years ago, as you were starting to talk about it, that here you would be now doing this for not just yourself and maybe not just your friends, but also other women all over the place. Because one of the things that I've really come to reflect upon, like as I talk to more women like yourself who are in this area of fertility awareness and education around that is that there seems to be like two sides to it. On the one hand, there are, you know, women or groups that are very, very keen and ready to kind of spread that gospel about, you know, like our bodies are good. And they are like our bodies are good. We were made good. And every part of it, no matter how foreign or strange it might be, is still good. And it's still part of who we are and our reproductive process and cycle. But on the other hand, there are a lot of people who maybe understandably so are uncomfortable and they don't want to talk about these things or they find it weird or taboo and they don't want to speak out. And I guess that's not really a question, but it was just a reflection that I was having as I was hearing you just share your experiences with that and how that's led you to pursue more schooling and just more knowledge and then being this advocate for other women so that they too can really enter into these conversations. I think you're so right about the discomfort and not knowing what to do with it. And I think that is something that the more conversations I have with women, it takes, it's that first initial conversation. It's like, Oh God, what are we talking about? You know? And mm -hmm. a lot of times when I have women coming to me, they're already at that place of like, okay, I want to know more. I may be uncomfortable with my body or uncomfortable with my period, but I want to know more. But I think in the general sense, if someone asks me, so what do you do? Or, you know, just even with my mother-in-law or my husband's cousins, and they're like, so what do you do? You know, there's, there's this <laughs> sense of, oh no, <laughs> what is she going to talk about at dinner? And I think, you know, there's obviously a, you know, a place in time, the reverence that we need for our bodies. But I think just scratching the surface, starting those conversations, just getting someone to think about 
their health in a different way, in a more integrative way. Um, in the same sense that I think, you know, when I initially was starting charting in college, some of my friends were like, what, you're going to track your period. And then in the process of journeying together, it was like, wait, this is actually so awesome, but it takes time. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes it can be easy, easy for me to forget as well. Like it's a process, it's a journey. And, you know, if you're struggling with thinking that my period's gross or my fertility feels like a burden, it's okay to start there. That's not shameful. You don't have to be ashamed of it because it's just, it's where you are. And I think sometimes we can forget that. And we think that we just have to be in the space of like, I'm totally comfortable with my body. There's no problem. I can wear whatever I can do, whatever. And it's like, and even that in some ways is a perversion of that understanding of the goodness of our bodies, because it's like these extremes, I hate it, or I, I love it so much. It doesn't matter what I do. And it does. And so how do we find that, that middle, that space where we're meeting both and saying, okay, yes, I am comfortable in my body, but I also reverence my body. Hmm. Yeah. Very theology of the body. We love that so much just because for obvious reasons, John Paul II is our guy around here with this podcast. (laughs) At some point, you had all this knowledge and this ambition and desire really to help women with this. And at some point, you had started managing your fertility. And I know that you also were um, a participant as part of the Given Forum. So I'd love to hear what that journey was like. Just because I think many times, especially as women, like we have dreams, we have ambitions, and we can be very wary. Like I know that I was with this podcast. We can be so wary to take that next step or, you know, use the analogy of looking at the roadmap earlier and just being like, where to go or what to do next? What is the next turn that I have to take? So taking that first step is really hard, but I would love to hear how you came to have this wonderful ambition and then how that ended up as managing your fertility. So I, with all my charting in college, I wasn't specific with a particular method. I hadn't worked with a practitioner. So I was really just charting data for myself just to have better awareness. And so when David and I became engaged, I was in my first year of grad school and we were taking, well, before we even started taking NFP classes, we started looking and we were like, okay, well, there's just gotta be one site we go to and it'll have all the list of things. And this should Mm -hmm. be pretty easy. And I thought, okay, how hard can it be? You know, I have some data, this will be great. And we ended up (laughs) scheduling in our calendars, like a 45 minute time block. We'll pick a method. We'll, you know, that sounds good to us. And then we'll sign up for classes. So we make sure we're doing that because our archdiocese requires that as part Mm -hmm. of marriage prep. So we sat down. I remember being at David's family's house in their deck and we started looking and we're like, oh my gosh, there isn't one place to go. Like there's some websites that list it. Some archdiocese list different methods. And we're like, well, are some not okay? And some, okay. So we're going on the USCCB website. Mm -hmm. We started finding blogs and it was about three hours later. And we were both had tons of tabs open trying to figure out, we just wanted to be able to compare and contrast. And I remember that was the biggest thing. I just want to be able to shop for a method, compare and contrast and say, you know what, this gives me a good overview. I think we want hormonal only, or like, yeah, I think mucus only like, that sounds like a good fit for both of us. And for me, for tracking everything. And Mm -hmm. so in that space, I remember feeling this frustration, like what the heck, where is there one place I could go to? And I kept digging. I had reached out to different individuals who I knew were much more in the space of theology of the body, women's health, mm-hmm. because I was like, you know what? We probably missed it. There was probably something really obvious and we just weren't paying attention. And through the conversations I had, I wasn't really coming up with anything. And I, no one was really saying, oh yes, this one website has a good database or this is intended for really for lay people because there was, um, there is the facts website and that's really targeted towards medical professionals. So while it was helpful, 
it was too overwhelming for me being someone entering into the space of fertility awareness methods. Mm -hmm. So I was really just like, okay, Lord, I really feel like you're calling me to do this. This seems crazy, but you know, this ties in with women's health, but I like, I don't know if I can do anything out of it without like, you know, outside of a ministry, you know, or just something I do pro bono, or just, maybe I just pay for a website and have it live there and I'll just update it. I had no plans beyond that, but I knew somehow it was tying in with everything. I just had that feeling, but I, I had no vision for what that might even entail, but I saw the given project pop up because it was shared by Jenna Gizar in the blessed is she Facebook group. Mm-hmm. And it was like, the deadline was the next night. And I was like, okay, I think this could, this could be it. I think we should do it. So and by we, I texted my best friend. I said, Hey, you've been charting with me. Why don't we just apply together and see what happens? And we, and we could do this. We could build out this site. And she was like, well, um, sure. Okay. Let's do it. So we applied, we got our applications in like the night it was due like 1159 PM. Wow. And we waited and we thought like, Oh my gosh, I don't even know like this. We'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. And we, we were accepted and we were just like, remember like calling each other being like, we got in <laughs> like, Oh my gosh. And from there, it was really just an amazing opportunity given really helped really, I mean, make this happen really helped me to take practical steps because they really provided so many great speakers, resources, work groups, And then, you know, they wanted you to build out a plan. So you build out a plan and you have a launch date. And so my friend Julia and I did a launch date, a soft launch the next year, but realized that a lot more work needed to be done. And at that point, she was accepted into a program at NYU for performance arts, teaching and pedagogy for music and vocal performance. So she was like, you know, I think I need to step back from this, but I'm so excited for you. I'm happy to help and however I can. And so it really, no hard feelings whatsoever, we're best friends. And so it was like, okay, this is like where God's calling us next. Like you need to do this path. And I'm, I guess I'm doing this path. And so I launched in July of 2018. And I really kept it as a very, very side project and really just kept the website updated. I worked with the Minnesota Department of Health. I worked in newborn screening, which again, I find just God being like, hey, I'm going to put you around with babies again, it's because I know you love them and I, you love the pro-life movement and helping women. And so it just felt like I was always kind of being in these spaces that was always tied to the pro-life movement because it was newborn screening is all around. Let's keep babies healthy. They're born. Mm-hmm. How do we get them healthy if they're sick? That I learned so much in that role. I was with them for three years. And it was in this past year after having my daughter that I was really feeling this tug and seeing, you know, the opportunities that maybe could come about if I invested in this project more, if I invest in this business more and really see it grow and helping women more actively in this space and and growing out opportunities I could provide for them to really expand the conversation. So NFP week of 2020, I just, I put myself out there on social media a lot more. I started connecting with individuals. God placed some amazing women in my path, I joined a mastermind group with Anna Saucier and some incredible women. And he just came through. I mean, really, truly, there's no other way to, to describe it. And I was realizing just the benefit of working from home that I could do it. I was doing it in my job and it hit a point where I said, David, I think I need to step back from this other job Hmm. and invest fully in managing your fertility. And I know financially, this is crazy. This doesn't really make sense on paper, but I think this is where God's calling me next. And we need to see what happens. I turned in my notice, things kind of came to a head that it made sense for me to do that just in other things that were going on in my job. And I jumped in and I literally, the the last week of my job, I had a radio interview for managing your fertility. I was doing another podcast interview and I had meetings set up and things were just taking off and I couldn't believe it. I was like, oh my gosh, Lord, like this is for real. I could maybe do this. Mm -hmm. And 
I mean, it's been one of the best adventures I think we've done yet. My husband is starting a new job himself. God just like came in. It was just like, okay, I know that you're worried about finances, but I need you to trust me. And he made it so clear. Like usually I I'm like, okay, Lord, you don't have to put it in writing. And he put it like stuff in writing where David was reading a book for his small group and just pointing out, we can't have attachment to money. Like wealth is good, but like, we can't be so attached that we're not willing to, to like say yes to God. And he was like, Bridget, you need to turn on that two week notice. Like, these are too many things coming about conversations. We're having things that are working out that like, we have to trust that God's going to provide for us financially and that, and he can do this. And so we did it and it felt like crazy and, and freeing all at the same time. And he's starting a new job in which God is coming through financially. And so I'm able to invest more in the business. I have family that helps watch my daughter Felicity and it is totally the best. So that's just kind of that expanse of, of where everything's gone and, and where it's going. So I'm really excited to, to have this time to grow this business and really seeing what women need to be able to provide for them through emails, through courses, through conversations, through podcasting and, and so many different avenues. And you mentioned 2020. So as all of us know, 2020 was kind of a year, and that's putting it very lightly. But I am consistently blown away by, you know, women like yourself. And I've talked to a number of women now who have started their ministries or their podcasts, their businesses in the midst of the pandemic. So I think if nothing else, as you're highlighting with your work situation and then your husband's work situation, obviously the pandemic has been difficult and I don't want to overlook that. But at the same time, there's been this explosion of inspiration and people really taking the plunge and trusting that the Lord is going to provide in whatever capacity, in whatever way makes sense for the individual. And I just find that to be so remarkable. And, you know, like you said, the moment that you put in that two weeks notice, you had like different opportunities in place already to speak more about it. And I know that it's still quite new and quite fresh, but what have been some of the biggest, I guess, like wins so far or just moments where you're like, God, I didn't know you could do that. Like, that's so cool. That is such a good question. And oh man, I think it's just, it's been the freedom to create and just the energy that I have and saying, okay, these are the different ideas I have. How do I make them happen? Just showing up more, you know, as, as basic as it sounds, showing up more on social media and having more honest conversations around sex and human sexuality has been a huge one that I've seen so many women engaging in and that explosion of conversations that's really got me thinking and mm-hmm. rethinking, okay, what do we need to be talking about? What's missing in our conversations in the church? I'm launching a podcast in April as we've, as we've chatted about. And that is something that really came from women saying, I would love it if this could be in a podcast format, because right now Instagram live is kind of hard. If I'm going off social media or trying to listen and I'm in the car and working out and I thought, okay, I have time to do this. And to be honest, it was terrifying to think about starting because I was like, what the heck am I doing? This is crazy. Mm-hmm. But it was really just like, okay, one foot in front of the other, one thing at a time, one step at a time. And I'm going to be launching in early April. Like it's already at this point to say like, I can do this. I'm also going to be building out courses for women. I'm specifically focusing on college age women and really wanting to just lay a really good foundation for why charting matters, how to start mindset work, integrated living and what that looks like and just different questions to ask yourself. So just those topics to really help encourage women so that you're not in that time and that space of engagement and going, okay, I need to learn NFP now. And I have six months before the wedding and I'm stressed out. My cycle's probably irregular and I want to do this. Well, you know, just not that that's bad to be in that space. It happens. I mean, that's what I did, but 
I think just to be able to help women start that conversation sooner, because I benefited so much in having some knowledge going into learning about NFP specific to marriage. But I think it's just how opportunities have come up to be able to, you know, chat with you and your listeners and to be meeting women in the space of NFP and fertility awareness, different leaders and influencers and having these conversations, connecting with my archdiocese and working with them to help them grow out their NFP ministries and just connecting in with marriage groups. It's just been incredible to me to see the explosion of doors that have opened through my willingness to just say, okay, God, I'm giving you this other job where I feel like it's more secure. It has obviously, you know, like I have a secure paycheck, like right now I'm, I'm building out a business and that's a lot of work and it's work in its own way. But to see the doors that he's opened in just two months and the people that I've met in two months has been unreal to me just to see that come through. And I just, I'm like thinking about it and kind of pausing like, oh my gosh, like it's what a crazy, awesome two months to see how he's just introduced so many different ways to do this. And, and as a mom, as a stay at home mom, you know, trying to figure out, okay, where can I put in this time? Is it during nap time? Is it during play time? You know, getting creative with when I'm having conversations or am I folding the laundry as I'm on some calls and it's okay to do that. And just, I love the, the flexibility and the freedom that has really come from, from this place to just so much more peace that I realized was missing in the past months leading up to this, where I was really struggling with like, should I, or shouldn't I, should I, or shouldn't I, and just getting too caught up in the shoulds, Mm -hmm. to be honest. Yeah. And I've made your respect for entrepreneurs period, but particularly like this kind of emerging brand, or I don't, I don't think you all are emerging, but mom entrepreneurs are mom, mom entrepreneurs trademark I don't know but like that's beautiful because being a mom in and of itself is a full-time job like we know that and I I have huge respect for you know my mom and, and moms everywhere so just to be able to pursue your dreams and go forth and do something that is so pivotal for other people for other women out there to really give of yourself in the same way that you give so wholly to your husband and your family your daughter to be like what a gift that is so That is just so exciting. I will add on too. I think really what has helped me is seeing women come forward and share their stories, especially moms who are in that space of of working and being moms and seeing like, what does that look like? I love Leah Darrow's post. Mm -hmm. Well, I know she has multiple now with the hashtag babies and dreams and just seeing that both can work together. And I can attest from my own experience, like my managing your fertility and my work really didn't become clear to me of the value that I could give and the time that I could give it until I had my daughter. I was just sort of like one of many things that I was doing. And when I had her, it was like priorities started to, to become clear for me and, and my story, because I think I was someone always busy, always doing things and was quick to burn out. And I had to realize like, wow, I can't choose that as a mom. I don't want to always be burned out. I want to be a little more proactive. And when it hit the point where she's like six months and I decided like, I'm just going to like put myself out there more with managing your fertility. Let's just see what happens. And to see the response and to see that it was something that I love doing and that I could do both. And it doesn't mean that I'm doing it all. You know, I have helped to watch her and there's nothing wrong in that, you know, and that I have to like say, okay, when are certain things going to get done? My husband, and I have a chore chart just so we can keep the house running. You know, we trade off dinner and meal planning. And so we've had to get very creative in practical ways. So I, by no means I'm saying, you know, you can do it all because I think that idea that we're supposed to do it all on our own as women is so silly because we need each other. You know, we need each other. If it's through affirmation, if it's through helping watching kids, if it's, you know, nanny, 
sharing, if it's helping each other with laundry, if it's phone calls and coffee chats and dreaming together. But I think it's so possible to be creative when you allow God into your life to say like, I can say yes to life. I can say yes to new life. And I can say yes to dreaming and these ideas that are blooming and growing and that it's, they don't have to live in different spaces. And that's something I've become so much more passionate about, especially in the realm of fertility awareness, because so often women are hearing your fertility is bad. Your children get in the way. If you want to have a career and move up, this is the only way to do it. Now, to an extent, yes, there are issues in work culture that yes, they need to be addressed. And there are some barriers to that, but we are the generation to lead the charge. We may not see the fruits of the work that we're doing and the hard work that we're putting in to be able to show women, you can do both to be able to live this out and remind women that you can do both reminding our friends and our family ourselves. But if this means that my daughters can have a space and a place where they can work and do both and feel free in that decision and see that as a cultural shift and narrative, that is totally worth it. I think it's so easy in the space of Amazon prime and things coming so quickly to us and instant gratification. We forget that some of the most beautiful things take so much time to build and you may not see it yourself. Hmm. I mean, I think about Sagrada Familia when we went to Spain a couple of years ago and Gaudi, he never saw it. The man was hit by a car and they thought he was a homeless man. They took him to the hospital. They're like, we don't know who this guy is. And Sagrada Familia has been, this church is magnificent. And it's been years. I mean, like I think a hundred plus years at this point, 125 years in the making, but the amount of people that go through it and are impacted and write about it and paint about it and the beauty that he left on the world in changing it and probably impacting conversions. You know, it's like, that is such a beautiful testament to the simple, beautiful life he led as an artist and building this church. And how much can we do that in our own lives, not only with our own children, but with the dreams that we create. And so that's really my hope is that, yes, what I love to see women's health change in like the next 20 years so I can participate in it. Yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> I'd love to like have multiple doctors options to say like, Hey, they all understand NFP. This is awesome. I'm not in like scarcity mode in my state, but that may not happen, but I'm willing to do the work so that maybe for my daughter, it could maybe for my granddaughters, it could. And that reality is so beautiful. And that's where I think we can't see the full map right? With God, like we were talking about, but God sees where we're going. God sees what can happen. And that's, that's the piece that keeps me going. That keeps me motivated. Amen to all of that. And I think that, you know, with women like yourself leading the charge, uh, who are so passionate about doing this kind of work, I'm bought into it. And I'm, I'm just so excited to see where, you know, this all is going to go. So again, I just, I want to thank you for that. And I think that this ties into a question that's kind of been ping-ponging in my own head around this. And it's funny because I think it was a couple of weeks ago now, I was having a conversation with my own mom about NFP. Now, as a full disclaimer, like I'm nowhere, you know, I'm not engaged. I'm not getting ready to be married. But, you know, to your point that you made earlier, many times there are young couples that kind of, you know, they get engaged and then all of a sudden they find their, themselves in marriage prep and they're like, wait, we had to think about this? And then they're kind of, you know, left scrambling to pick up the pieces. And I don't want to say that that's everybody, but just based off of some conversations that I've had with friends who are engaged, they're just like, no one taught us this. Or we didn't know that we were supposed to prepare this way. And my mom was even saying that when her and my dad were engaged and they were in marriage prep, they had, I think it was maybe a two or three hour course at the most. And that's already almost 30 years ago now. So Fast forward, here in my archdiocese, it seems like maybe things have kind of progressed. And of course, like we have 
people like yourself all over the continent, I would hope, that are really spreading this awareness and this education. And I know that you had touched on this a little bit earlier on in our conversation, but just around what it is that the church can do a little bit more of when it comes to opening up this conversation around whether it's natural family planning, fertility awareness, because I think we talk a fair bit about theology of the body and we have many beautiful speakers who talk about that. But yeah, just around like the whole like body aspect of it, the physical, physiological aspects of it. What can we as the church or what can the church do more of to open up the playing field, so to speak, so that we can have more of these active conversations? I think a lot of it stems from an approach that we need to maybe transition to, to be more creative in the solutions that we're finding in the conversations that we're having. Because, you know, I think in the conversations I've had with different individuals leading marriage and family life offices or in the NFP ambassador role or something like that, you know, archdioceses are strapped with time, money, resource that what, of who, how many people they could hire. You know, I think if an archdiocese could have a huge team of like 10 people taking on NFP to be able to really develop programs and information sessions and marketing and flyers and website updates, all of it, you know, that would be amazing. But I think for many, it's one to two people and they are doing the best they can. I mean, these are people who are oh my gosh, burning the candle both ends, trying to do as much as they can. And then they might have another role thrown at them that they're like, okay, now I have to do this too and navigate a couple different things. And I don't know that we realize, maybe we do, that approach is such a disservice to long-term the impact that we can make in the space of fertility awareness and, and natural family planning. But at the same time, maybe it's an opportunity to really welcome in more lay people and being more collaborative. Not to say archdioceses aren't, but I think for us as lay individuals and for anyone who's listening who may be saying, I really have a passion in my heart to help with NFP in my parish or in my archdiocese, do it, go after it. We need so many more people. Like you said, you hope there are more and I do too, because Mm -hmm. it's not up to just me. You know, as much as I say, okay, I'm a one-stop shop. Sure. I'm a one-stop shop for some women, but for some women, I'm not their flavor. I'm not the type of person that they want to be working with. They really like somebody else. And that's great. Honestly, we need options. I mean, I think that's the biggest thing is just to know, like there are options available. Who can you go to? Who can you work with where you can say, I really connect with this organization or this person and I'm going to work with them. And they've really helped me feel set up for success in understanding my body and, and embracing the church's teaching. So I think from that standpoint, I think it is important, you know, the USCCB is very good about having standards and, and procedures for NFP and for what can be shared and how to talk about it. And that's good because we do need a framework because we, we need to make sure everybody's in alignment. We're all on the same page. We're fighting towards the same goal. But I think just opening up that space for more lay people to connect, to collaborate, to be offering their services to the archdiocese, maybe, you know, you're stepping in as a consultant. Maybe that's something that you can do. And you say, I'm a web designer. I'm really passionate about helping this area. I can offer my services this way. And I'm not saying pro bono, by the way. I think that's something that we often hear in the space of Christian Catholic ministry world. You know, it Mm -hmm. has to be free and it doesn't. And I don't think archdioceses are interested in that unless they're really strapped. Sure. Think about it. You know, if that's something you can offer, great. But also if there are opportunities for people to grow out businesses, grow out these opportunities to have that sustainability for their own family life, but then also serving their parish and the needs of the world. Like how beautiful is that, that we can be working together in unison. And so I think that's something that's really shifted my perspective in the past couple of years being in this space that I think I started out thinking, oh, it's the archdiocese and why aren't they more put together? And why don't they have more stuff? And the more I've seen from the inside, just how hard these individuals are working Mm -hmm. and they're trying to get up to speed, but then something else comes up or they have other projects that they're trying to work on. It's really been a call to action for me to say, okay, 
I feel called to serve in this space and I'm not doing it out of frustration or a bitterness because it's like, oh, I was gypped by my archdiocese. No, <laughs> it's that there's so much more that we can do. And I need to ask myself the question and say, okay, God, where do you need me? Where do you need me in the vineyard? Because you're calling me, you've placed these desires on my heart. I love talking about cervical mucus and periods and working with women. So like, where do you need me? And I think that's a question we much more often need to ask because we are the church. And I think it's really easy, myself very much included in this to say, the church needs to fix this. The Pope needs to do something different around NFP. He needs to change it. And now I'm much more like, you know what? I want to be at the tables Mm. with a lot of other people and saying, yeah, once a year, we're going to fly to Rome. We're going to talk. We're going to meet with people. I don't know what that would look like, but that's one of my dreams. Mm -hmm. And just saying like, how can we expand the conversation? How can we proliferate the message of theology, the body proliferate the message of fertility awareness and natural family planning, and really helping create these ties and connections and engagement so that someone can think of five people off the top of their head when they're hearing about natural family planning and a friend says, I want to learn more. And you're like, oh, well, there's this person, there's this person, there's this person, there's this, oh, and then there's this person too. So you get to go explore and figure out which option you like the best. I think that's really where I'd love to see this space go. And I think that really is starting to happen, which is really fun just in the connections that I've made and seeing different organizations pop up. I think when I was first growing, I definitely thought like, oh, they're starting to do what I'm doing. Why am I doing what I'm doing? Hmm. And my husband really had to remind me like, well, what you offer is going to be different than somebody else because you are unique and unrepeatable. And what Hmm. you offer and what someone connects with is like, they may connect with you and be like, Bridget's my girl. She's my NFP lady. And someone else may say, you know what? It's actually Emily over there. Emily, I love the way she talks about it. And that's good. And I really had to let that seep in and saying, okay, I'm not just wanting to be hypey and saying like community over competition. Like I genuinely mean that because I can't do all the work and and I have to respect and respond out of the space of my own skills too. Yes, I can always learn, but where is God calling me? Where's that market need in the NFP space? You know, what are my skills and what do I love doing? Because then I can really be in a space where I'm on fire. Yes, I'm learning and I'm growing, but I'm also serving out of a space where I'm passionate. If I'm passionate about college age women, you know? okay. Or if I'm passionate about moms with, you know, six plus kids, like you can get so niche in this space, or you could be a little bit broader, but just Mm -hmm. to say like, that's okay. Because I got really stuck in thinking I have to serve everybody. I have to serve every woman. And I've just learned in this space, like, no, I can be a little bit more particular and saying, yes, any woman can go to this site. I'm happy that they do, but I'm really going to focus, for example, like courses on college age women, because I really feel passionate from my own experience. Mm -hmm. And what I've seen in the conversations I have, like, I want to start more and more conversations on college campuses and how can I do that? And how can I engage? So it's kind of a long-winded answer for you, Rachel, (laughs) but I think, you know, we are the church. And so we have to respond and we have to be bold and saying, okay, Lord, where are you sending me? Because he will provide. I have learned that in the past two months, especially like, oh my gosh, he will provide. Mm. Yeah. And that ties in so beautifully with the whole theme of this podcast. But also I want to just further echo your point about, you know, again, not to be hype, but yeah, community over competition, but it's so true. And you mentioned the word flavors, and I always chuckle a bit when I hear that, just because I remember being at World Youth Day, hearing Pope Francis use that in a homily, and I was oh like, gosh. <laughs> what the heck? Like, flavors? What are you talking about? Like, what flavor am I, right? But you're absolutely right in a sense that all of us being unique and unrepeatable human beings, we will naturally have people gravitate towards us, 
And, you know, there will be also a fair chunk of the population that may not. And that's okay. That's why we need one another. That's why we lift each other up instead of tear each other down. And maybe the last thing that I'll mention is the fact that we need women especially women at this table around like NFP, but also fertility awareness and thinking about physiologically, because these are very much women's issues. So not to say that the church, the Pope, the bishops, whoever, not to say that they can't be involved, but really it's like we know, you know, based on science, based on what our bodies look like, they're so different. So who better to talk about these than having lay women or even religious women, but having women at those conversations, at those tables, to speak to the importance of these conversations and then, you know, opening up more dialogues about this. So that's super cool. And I'm really glad that you're doing that. Thank you. Yeah, it's really exciting. And I just, I love what you're doing on this podcast and just sharing so many different women's stories and in different spaces. I know you had said you've had these conversations around fertility awareness with different individuals in the space. And it's like, this is so good for women to have this experience, you know, and just seeing how many different people are at the table, how many different people are serving. And I just really want to encourage anyone listening who thinks, could I be at that table? Yes. There's already a seat for you. I think your name cards on it. So if you're thinking that, you know, you really have a passion for NFP and you're thinking, I don't know where to start. I literally just had someone join a monthly call that I started this past month with different leaders, influencers. And she said, look, I'm really new to this. I'm a convert, but I have a passion for this. I have no idea what it'll look like. I said, great you should join us. She's now starting like an ambassador program at her church. She's wow. going in the spaces of like podcasting and just, she's going for it. And I'm like, yes, this is what we need. You don't have to have a really thorough business plan. It will come. And I know like, I'm someone who really thought you have to have a perfect business plan, hmm. but as well, I'm in, I'm in recovery mode of perfectionism. I'm working on it really hard <laughs> because I realized that yes, Planning is good. Building your skills, very good. Especially in the space of NFP, we need people who understand marketing, who can make beautiful content, who can help share the beauty of the female body. So yes, are those skills good? Absolutely. But we need all kinds. We need women who can speak well to this, who have the gift of building relationship with women, who are willing to be bold and speaking to this in groups who are mm -hmm. awesome at, you know, speaking to hundreds of people who are willing to work with their pastor and building out programming. Like there are so many areas in this space. I probably couldn't list them all off within an hour because there are just so many different ideas that people come up with for how they could expand the conversation and help women actively chart their bodies, but also enter into this space of loving their bodies and respecting the bodies that God has given them. So I just think if that is on your heart, one, you can contact me and say, Hey, I want in on that call or I have questions. Great. But also just step out, start that Instagram account. You might have 10 followers. It will grow because this is a message women are hungry for. Mm. Women are so hungry for this. Yeah, that's incredible. And absolutely every person, no matter who you are, what you do, you know, you have something unique and irrepeatable to bring. And I think that this whole conversation, I love how it's journeyed to bring us to this point around the feminine genius, um, because it is so clear to me that like over the course of this conversation, you've shared so much of your own heart and your feminine identity and what it is that draws you to that. So, you know, for yourself, Bridget, I would love to hear your reflection of your personal feminine genius and how you've seen that grow and flourish throughout your life. I think my feminine genius has really flourished you know, I think it has to be in, in the receptivity mm. because I think I'm someone that having been wounded by friendships and by 
guys and relationships in my life that weren't very healthy or just they, they weren't what they were, you know, they could have been better, right? Um, we could have been helping each other growing in holiness or being more thoughtful. And I think in that space, it really closed me off to the willingness of vulnerability. It was something I wanted, but I was terrified. And I was thinking about this when you had first emailed me just to ponder this because it was like, wow, Lord, how has my feminine genius flourished? Not just in the space of my work, but I really went to the heart of who I am and what I've desired. And I think Mm -hmm. that sense that I talked a little bit about in the beginning of that belonging, how much I wanted that, but how much I was scared of rejection. Vulnerability is so needed in the space of belonging. And something that has been so healing for me has been my marriage. And something that I learned very quickly in dating David was that I wasn't willing to be vulnerable. I wasn't allowing to receive his love and the ways in which he was really trying to live out his masculine genius in our relationship because I was always like, oh, I can do it. I'm a strong woman. I can handle it. It was like, you can open the door for me, but don't open the door for me because I can do that. It's okay. I got it. You know, and and I think in that space, in that realm of thinking, it really blocked me from saying, you know what? Yeah, I can open the door, but I just like to receive. I would just like to receive the love that you're offering me and to say like, I accept this and this is beautiful. Mm-hmm. And in the process of our marriage, I think, you know, it started out with David say, Hey, I think we should probably, you know, it's getting kind of late. Maybe we should go to bed. And I'd be like, how dare you? How dare you tell me when to go to bed and what to do? I'm being repressed. You are repressing me. And I really <laughs> thought, you know, like kind of seriously, not, you know, it was, I really had a hard time saying, okay, you're, you're wanting the best for me. Mm. I really had to ask God to open my heart to that and saying, okay, I want to belong. I have this desire of belonging in female friendships in my marriage too. And just seeing, you know, Lord, can you help me be more vulnerable, be willing to receive, be willing to give, but also to receive, because I was really good at giving, but I didn't want to accept things. Mm -hmm. And I think that's something that has manifested into my job as well. When people offer help, you know, or say, Hey, would you love to collaborate? It's like, yeah, I want to receive you. Mm -hmm. You know, or when women ask me questions or want to have more conversation, it's like, I want to receive you. I want to be able to create this space of vulnerability that we can have a conversation about something that's really personal and that I'm willing to walk with you. And if I cry with you, I cry with you. Just in these past few years, especially how God has really been working on my heart and challenging me in very active ways, because it's one thing to say like, okay, Lord, I want to grow in this space and really own my feminine genius. So can you just snap your fingers, you know, and it'll happen. Right. Mm -hmm. And then you realize when that's, when you pray that prayer, and then there are going to be the opportunities for it to happen where you have to choose it. And you're like, oh, Mm -hmm. oh, okay. Now I have to choose it or I can reject it. And so I think that's really been a space to see at the deepest parts of my heart, the vulnerability and the belonging and just seeing how God has given me so many opportunities in there. And I'm so grateful for my husband, first and foremost, to really help me to live out my feminine genius. I have never felt more strong or alive, I think, in who I am as a woman as I do today. And I'm I'm just like, wow, Lord, I, you know, God willing, I'll have more years to come and just like how you're going to help show me and what this means to really be a woman, you because I know this isn't it. I know I still have a lot of work to do, mm-hmm. but I think in this space of just the power and vulnerability, the power in showing up, receiving the person and receiving people into my heart and my life, and that it's okay and it's good. Yeah, I just feel the presence of John Paul II because, again, it's complementarity of the sexes. And yeah, we have a feminine genius and men have their masculine genius. And again, it takes all of us to build up the body of Christ and to build up his kingdom here on earth. So Bridget, thank you so much for your time today, for sharing all about managing your fertility and just your passion for this area of women's health. And 
I was wondering if you could close us out with a closing prayer. Absolutely. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Come, Holy Spirit. Come be with us. Help us to open our hearts to receive you, to receive your love, to receive the mission that God has placed on each of our lives. Help us to know at the core of who we are as women that our bodies are good, that we are made good, that our worth is given, it is not earned, that we can sit and we can rest in you. Help us to encourage each other in the space of in the space of fertility awareness, but also in the space of wholeness, of living integrated lives, of supporting each other and seeing the areas where we may be struggling or broken or trying to hide from each other, that we would come and be in relationship with each other, supporting each other, honoring each other, being willing to grow in vulnerability with each other as women and encouraging each other to remember that we can all sit at this table, at your table, Lord, that you're calling us to serve in whatever capacity that looks like, that we wouldn't be afraid to say yes to you, that even if we can't see the next couple of steps, we know that the next step we can take is to trust you and we can just do one thing at a time and that is enough that you do provide. You are a God of abundance. Help us to grow close to your mother, the beautiful Mama Mary, who is just the epitome of womanhood, who just resonated so deeply with a desire to live out your will. Help us to do the same. Mother Mary, we entrust ourselves to you and ask that you would help us to grow in our womanhood, to embrace the feminine genius, embrace who God made us to be and rejoice in it as he rejoices over us. As we pray, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death, amen. Our Lady Intercessor of Fertility Awareness, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Bridget, thank you so much. Thank you so much. It's been a joy to be with you today, Rachel. Thanks again to Bridget Busacker for joining me on the Feminine Genius Podcast today. You can learn more by checking out their website, managingyourfertility.com. And you can follow them on Instagram and Facebook at Managing Your Fertility. Finally, Bridget has a podcast where she dives into everything that we talked about and so much more. So you can find Managing Your Fertility wherever you're listening right now. I've left links to all of these in the episode description below. You can stay up to date with the Feminine Genius Podcast by following us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We're at FemGeniusPod. And you can listen to this podcast wherever you find your podcasts, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and many other platforms. All of this information can be found on our home on the web, FeminineGeniusPodcast.com. We'll talk to you soon, and God bless always.